You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Morning. We're going to continue our series of Steadfast. And uh, this morning, my message is titled Finishing Strong in 2020. Now, I do have a math problem that, you know, is related. If 2020 was a math equation, this is what it would say. If you're going down a river at two miles per hour and your canoe loses a wheel, how much pancake mix would you need to re-shingle your roof? That's about how much sense this year has been. <laughs> so, but we're going to finish strong. I'm going to finish strong. I believe you want to finish strong. We don't want our legacy of 2020 to be anything but finishing strong. And so in 2 Peter, I want to start off there. It says that by 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. We have everything we need to finish strong in 2020. I'm going to use Psalm 23 as a template to finishing strong this morning. So let me give you a little bit of a backstory of Psalm 23. It's so familiar. Everybody, you know, has heard it. Christians, non-Christians, it's used in so many different ways. It's very comforting. We love it very much, but it's, it is very familiar. So I do want to give you some backstory on this. One, it was not just a poetic musing of a shepherd boy. It was written by David. Scholars say that it was probably written when he was king. He had been a shepherd, and he wasn't ashamed of his former occupation, but now he's king, and he's, he has penned Psalm 23. David uses the most comprehensive and intimate metaphor for this psalm. Not using the expression of God as king or deliverer, he doesn't use the expression of God as rock or shield. He uses the word shepherd. He describes God as shepherd. The shepherd lives with his flock and is everything to them. He's their guide, he's their physician, he's their protector. And David knew this having been a shepherd himself. It was probably written by David when he was at Mahanam. I think I said that right. He was wondering and waiting to hear about the battle between his men and his son's army, um, his son Absalom. It was a hard, heartbreaking time. His son Absalom was trying to take over David's kingdom. David's men told him, David, you can't go into battle. They will chase you down. They will murder you. So David is waiting to hear what happens. It's a civil war because of Absalom's rebellion. He gets word that 20,000 men on Absalom's, in his army, had died. And then he gets word that Absalom was hunted down 
and murdered. David was grief-stricken. He was heartbroken. The king was overcome with emotion. It says in 2 Samuel 18.33, the king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried. Oh, my son, Absalom. My son, my son, Absalom. If only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. It was probably one of the darkest hours of his life. And this is when he penned these beautiful words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside quiet, peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I want. In order to finish strong, I have to ask myself these questions, and I have asked myself these questions. One, who's in charge of 2020, and who can I trust? In Psalm 121, it says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I can look to government, I can look to science, I can look to society, but I have to look higher. I have to look above and see that God is my only help. In John 10, it describes what a true shepherd looks like, the true motivation and the genuine love that he has for his sheep. In John 10, I love this. It says that he enters through the gate. The, the true shepherd enters through the gate. He doesn't climb over the wall. He doesn't sneak in a side door. He doesn't come in the back. He goes through the gate, and he opens the gate for the sheep. He calls them by name, and they follow him. Not only do I enter through the gate, it says, I am the gate. John 10, 9 says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come through me will be saved. Wherever you go, you will find green pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. The sweetest word in that monosyllable is my, my shepherd. It doesn't say that he's the shepherd of the whole world at large. It doesn't say that he's a shepherd that just leads his flock. But the Lord is my shepherd. If he is a shepherd to no one else but me, he cares for me. He watches over me. He preserves me. In order for the Lord to be my shepherd, I have to let go of my own independence. Because the shepherd's job is to lead it is to care for me, to protect me and steer me in the right direction. 
David felt that he needed a shepherd. The heart of this psalm doesn't connect with self-sufficient. I can do it myself. I'll figure it out. I know what to do. But it's those who let go. Those who are acutely aware of their need. He's not just the shepherd to rescue us, but to lead us. In order for me to finish strong in 2020, I'm going to follow him. We only have 10 weeks left. We have to get with it. I need to get with this. I I want to finish strong in 2020. I have all that I need, it says, is both a declaration and a decision. I have all that I'm all that I need means I desire to nothing but what the shepherd's going to give me. You know, as believers, as new believers, and they come to know Jesus, and they see this psalm, well, not necessarily they see the psalm, but they come to, to know Jesus, and it's really simple. It's like, okay, I was lost, and now I'm found. I didn't have hope. Now I do have hope. They get this. He's my shepherd. I have everything that I need. And what happens is it's the simple faith. And in order to finish strong this year, we need to come back to the simple faith. Many of us forget what it's like, and we need to come back to a place of simplicity, that he's my shepherd, and he gives me everything that I need. He's my shepherd. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And what this means is, what the green meadows mean is that he's going to lead me to a better and promising situation. So I have to adjust my perspective. The presence of God will not always fix all our problems, but it will clarify our perspective. Philip Keller, who writes about sheep because he was a shepherd, He writes that sheep will not lie down unless four conditions are met. They won't lie down if they're afraid. They won't lie down if there's conflict among the flock. They won't lie down if flies and parasites are buzzing around their head and in their ears. They won't lie down if they're anxious about food or they're hungry. Rest comes because because the shepherd has dealt with the fear the friction, the flies, and the famine. So I have to let go. I have to trust the shepherd. More than once this year, I've wondered, what is going to happen? When is this going to end? Why is there so much destruction and pain? Not only environmentally, I mean, and we've seen plenty of that this year, many hurricanes, our own fire, floods, those kinds of things. But there's been destruction in society and pain. And then the question is, what should I do? The thing is, he leads me. The shepherd is the guide. The sheep don't need to know where the green pastures and the peaceful streams are. He does. So I have to follow him. The shepherd will guide me to what I need. And so I have to receive what the shepherd's going to give me. I might be empty, but he is the well. To finish strong in 2020, I need to grasp on to some tangible things. 
one of those is I have to lean into Jesus. That means I've intentionally, in the morning, said, Jesus, guide me, lead me, show me, give me discernment. I have to be in his word, and I have to know what he's saying instead of others' opinions. Yes, I need to educate myself. It's an important time to know what and how to do things. But the best way to do that is to be close to the shepherd and then to worship, to be in worship, to play music, to, be, um, to have it in my home. Corey Tim Boom says this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within yourself, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. He lets me rest. I need to be reminded that he was the one who invented rest. He, on the seventh day, he said, this is the day of rest. He's not a taskmaster. The shepherd knows I need rest more than I do. This is not idleness. This is restorative rest, a place where my needs are met. It says he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. So I have to follow his path. He guides me along the right path. As we walked through this year, I, I know I'm not the only person that found themselves wondering, which way do I go? What am I supposed to believe? How am I supposed to know what to do and who to agree with and who do I trust? One of the things we've learned when we've gone to Israel and we've driven through the Judean hills in, um, in Jerusalem and close to Jerusalem, our guide taught us the way of the shepherds. We saw the sheep, we saw the shepherds, we saw the paths in the hills. They weren't straight. Paths up and down the hills were not just a straight line. The shepherd leads, leads his sheep up and down on a circular path. My preference would be, I want to straight, I want to see where I'm going, get, get her done, the faster way to the destination, the better. So, but the Hebrew teaching of Psalm 23 would say this, he guides me along circular paths of righteousness, bringing honor to his name. So why is this important? To finish strong, I'm listening to hear, understand, and stay the course on the circular path. The circular path can feel like being stuck or futile. It's the difference between being stuck in a cycle of futility and being led in a cycle of increasing, you know, I've seen this before, I've done this before, when is this going to get over? But, it's, but what happens is he brings us to these places of healing and understanding and intimacy, even though they can feel very familiar to one another. When God leads, every time I repeat the cycle, it's new because I'm new. He's making me new. There's a depth of maturity that I couldn't have accessed last time I went by that. It's not a waste of time. 
My wholeness, your wholeness, is worth circling back for, in spite of the twist and the turns. The circular path can lead us back to pain. Unresolved circumstances and issues that we haven't dealt with. And he doesn't lead us that way for his own reputation at our expense. He does this so I can embrace the truth. He leads us this way so I can go forward more whole. I have an opportunity to deal with those things that I hadn't dealt with before. Get the most out of the journey. He leads us on circular paths of righteousness for his honor's sake. There are plenty of opportunities to learn kindness, forgiveness, gratitude, generosity. The question is, what twists and turns has God used to reveal himself to you? I'm going to finish strong. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. We like it when he leads us to those greed meadows. We love it when he leads us to those quiet streams. We're okay when he shows us the path to right living. But what about that dark valley? Have you ever looked around a mountain peak? There's literally no food source. The valley is necessary for us to experience the mountaintop. So we have to pay attention. We've been there before. We need to pay attention because we've been there before. Valleys and wildernesses are not something unfamiliar or something we haven't experienced before. The first time, four years ago, over four years ago now, I was joining the group, the the Freedom Hikers, and it was going to be my first hike. It was going to be over 20 miles in one day, and it was going to be very hard terrain. And before I went, there was anxiety. Can I do it? Am I going to let down my team? How is this going to go? I don't want to be a failure. And Ron said to me, Annette, when you get to those places that are really difficult and they seem impossible, remember, you've been there before. You've been to those places before, and God has seen you through. So remember, pay attention. You've been here before. God has seen you through. The fact that you're here, that you're listening, is testimony to God's closeness beside you and that his rod and his staff, they've comforted you, they've protected you, they've seen you through. The dark valleys are very real. They happen. We walk through the valley. It doesn't say your destination is the dark valley, but through the valley. It's part of the path on the way to a greater purpose, a better purpose. So we have to stay the course. There's an example of what wilderness does. The example is when Moses was was leading the Israelites out of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They wanted to go. And they get into the wilderness, and they're there for a very, very long time. 
The valleys, the valleys in wilderness are meant to, de to detoxify us and cleanse our palate. It goes like this. The Israelites, while they lived in Egypt, they had a savory diet. They ate leeks and garlic and spices and all those wonderful savory things. But in the wilderness, God fed them manna. He fed them in, in the desert with a mild, slightly tasting food, and it was a palate cleanser. God is leading us to a place where it's flowing with milk and honey. If we don't have our palate cleansed, we won't taste how sweet the honey is. We won't see and enjoy the creaminess of the milk. There's so many things this year that we have had our palate cleansed. Prior to March, we enjoyed so many things we took for granted. We could go, we could go to movies, we could go out to eat, we could travel, we could do all those things without not even thinking about a mask. Never. Or all the other things that we've encountered. But he's taking us through this wilderness, this dark valley to cleanse our palate so that we could appreciate his milk and honey because 2021, he's preparing us. He's preparing us for something much greater. He cleanses our palate from our past into our present so that we can taste our future. So don't discount the wilderness. I get the privilege of taking care of my grandchildren at least once a, uh, a day during the week. So every week I have them over. And this particular day, I was loading the car with my three-year-old grandson and my four-year-old granddaughter, who's almost five. She'll be five in November. And it was one, it's always this way. There's always a ton of stuff to get in the car, and there's always, you know, their backpacks and their scooters and their art projects and their coats and make sure their shoes on and, you know, the whole, if you're, you've been there, you know how that is. And that particular day, it was her mom's birthday, so I was taking a birthday cake. So I had more to load into the car. And so we get to the car, and I, they open the door, and they start um, scrambling in and getting into their car seats. And I say to Stevie, I say, Stevie, buckle up your car seat. Oh, I can't, Grandma. I can't, Grandma. I don't know how. I don't know how. But yet she knows how to get out of it. I don't know how. But the other thing about having her over is that she has gone into this habit, and she enjoys it, to wear makeup. She wants to wear my makeup. And she's, interestingly, very good at it. She can put on eyeshadow and blush and lipstick, and she does pretty good at it. So when she was in her car seat and my hands were busy and I was, you know, pretty much exhausted by that time, I said, Stevie... If you're old enough to wear makeup, you're old enough to buckle your car seat. And she goes, oh. And so she buckles up. <clears throat> He's calling us out of lower education. <laughs> we need to let God upset our world to upset us. The rod and the staff seem to have two names for one instrument. 
one end to beat off predatory animals and the other end to direct, to direct the sheep in the right direction. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. They, it leads me, it corrects me, and it protects me. I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me and you have a club. But man, do we, do we ever need the valleys to remind us that we can't do it by ourselves? Because sheep are prone to wander, and the shepherd is prone to chase, and he's prone to protect you. I finish strong when I praise God in spite of pain. I finish strong when I trust him during a trial. I finish strong when I surrender while suffering and choose to love him when he seems distant. To trust him despite who sits at the seat of government. Our full understanding will come on the other side of this. Trust his heart. Trust his plan. He's already been to the future and back. And no one can stand against him or keep his will from being done on earth as it is in heaven. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. I finish strong when I leave things on my table. I was thinking about David this morning. And he's writing this in this place of heartache. And he had to feel like a failure of a father. Here Absalom was so rebellion, uh, rebellious and he wanted to take his father's throne. And then he's murdered. David had to just wondered where did I go wrong? So he had to leave that guilt and shame on his table before he went to the Lord's table. He had to pick up grace and let it, let it get into him in order to go to the table. I have to leave things on my own table. I'm welcomed as a guest to a feast, but my enemies are present. If I'm going to com be completely honest, this is probably the hardest obstacle for me in finishing strong. Because I need to leave judgment on my table before I go to his table. I have to leave offense and unforgiveness. I have been forgiven, and God does not hold my sin over my head. Now it's on me to forgive and to release my enemies from my judgment, my offense, and any residual condemnation. Otherwise, I'm not going to enjoy the feast. So I have to come with an appetite. It's a magnificent banquet. It's provided by the most generous and benevolent host. He not only has the bounty to feed me, but power to protect me, surround me. And I am surrounded by my enemies, but He's there, and he has the power to protect me. I sit down to the table with confidence, knowing that I can feast in perfect security. And I need to take everything that I need. Take everything that I want. Nothing is hurried. There is no confusion, no disturbance. The enemy is 
at the door, and yet God prepares a table, and we sit down, and we eat, and everything is in perfect peace. Perfect peace comes when I receive grace and when I can give grace. We don't need to try to control the work of God and what he's doing in other people's lives. It says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. I will ask you a question. I, I've have, to, I have to ask myself this question. How would it be if God filled my cup in proportion to my grace and kindness to others, especially those I disagree with? How much would I have in my cup? It says it overflows. Grace overflows. In Luke 6, it says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And lastly, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I can finish strong in 2020 by keeping the end in mind. January 1, 2020, we had some great ideas of what this year was going to look like. Maybe you set some goals and you had some New Year's resolutions and all those kinds of things. Well, good starts are good. But good finishes are better. Let me say it again. Good starts are good. Good finishes are better. In order to finish strong, I also have to know that what he's telling me, that his goodness and unfailing love is a covenant agreement. Goodness and unfailing love or unfailing his goodness and mercy are covenant agreements to us from God. Unfailing love. Mercy is his steadfast love and his goodness is steady kindness and support that we can count on forever. Goodness and mercy have been described as twin guardian angels that will always be at my back and will be there for my need. His goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To finish strong, let's go back to that simple, the Lord is my shepherd. Let him lead us. Let him guide us. Let him protect us. This morning, there are some that are hearing this, maybe, and they're saying, okay, I want to finish strong in 2020. You can't do it by yourself. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. We can't do this. We're dependent on the shepherd. So I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation this morning for those who are online, for those in the patio, for you. And if you would join me. And if you've never said this prayer for yourself, then say it for yourself wherever you are and let it be yours and finish strong with the salvation of Jesus Christ in your life this year. Let me pray. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. 
thank you for your goodness and your mercy, for your grace that overflows in our life, for your forgiveness of sin, of our sin. You, you say we walk through the dark valley, but you went to the dark valley for us. You paid the ultimate price for us. So, Lord, I confess my sin. I confess that I need a shepherd. Your word says, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are the Son of God, that you died for me, that you rose again, that I am saved. So, Father, I ask you to be my Savior this morning. Thank you, thank you for the gift of salvation. Help me, remind me to finish strong because you have greater purposes for me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.